It is Monday, and you know what time it is. Well, you might not know what time it is because we've changed the format. So if you didn't get Friday's pot, Mondays are now basketball. It is hoops Monday, and that change happens now with me is the Canadian bomber, the Canadian shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons. And for this podcast, the Canadian Rocky Stone. Oh, I, that is a huge, huge credit. He's he's doing some work right now. Yes, he is. And we're going to get into all that because there is news coming out of Houston. There sure is. <laughs> how, how was your weekend, bud? Um, my, my weekend was intense, uh, for sure. Uh, there was a lot of emotions I went through, but I'm, I'm sure it was nothing in comparison to yours. Uh, yeah, this weekend was absolutely bonkers after we pod on Friday. Uh, later in the, she, wa- my mom watches the Lakers, Lakers game. Watch them win. Mm-hmm. Had thoughts. Unfortunately, when we get into early Saturday morning, it takes a turn for the worst. And by 4.43 Pacific Standard Time, my mother was gone. So, it was... uh. It was time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it was, it was awesome. We'll have more on that. Um, shout out to my wife, my rock, Belinda. Mm-hmm. Um, she was great. Yeah. We will tell stories of her. Might be on Friday's pod because we got to talk about that format. Uh, I'm not going to cry for this whole pod, so let's try to get into this. But the programming note, Monday hoops. Wednesday will be football because how Nico described it to me is that we were doing a disservice to the audience. And I said, oh, no, we can't do that. He said, this is how he explained it to me. Wednesday is the perfect day, Vince. You know why? Because Monday is now over. We have that last game of the week. We also now know by Wednesday, injuries going into Thursday and the rest of the week's action. So, hump day is now football day. And you're welcome because this is strategically for the audience. So, Nico, complete brainchild of that. And then we now have what we are trying to name. So, we need a name for Friday's pod. Yeah, yeah, we do. Because we, we've got a lot of stuff coming on Fridays for sure. But And it's going to not be, just be sad. Mm-hmm. It will not. We're going to talk about real issues real issues that go with women and 
dating, how habits have changed and stories and and we wanted to we want to put out a good a feel good pod. A feel good pod Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, just something that takes you yeah. into the weekend smooth, you know. So that's what we're doing. So we're changing up the structure, but you're getting more of us. How I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> Nico, I I don't know. We oh, I think we're in a good spot to be flexible now. We we both have a little bit of time that's been cleared up. And uh, we got to give a little more of a tease for the Friday pod. Uh, an old friend of the pod might become a fixture on that Friday show. We we talked to him. He's very interested. But that's that's the only tease we're ready to give at this time. Oh, we unleash if we unleash that Pandora's box onto <laughs> the podcast collective. We're excited. <laughs> I'll just put it this way. This is a pod that you definitely would like to have earbuds in, maybe, or some headphones. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. A little bit, yeah. 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 A little <laughs> bit. Yeah, it's gonna be a little bit little little different. All right, Nico. We have now a Eastern Conference Finals and a Western Conference Finals. Let me ask you a question. Did your bracket look like this? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I had I think the I I might have not had a single team right in in my bracket. I know I for sure had the Sixers and the Bucks and the Suns. I might have had the Lakers though. I might have mm. had the Lakers. It may have might have been the Warriors. I don't remember. We have an eight seed. We have a seven seed. It is pandemonium in the NBA. So Boston is facing the Miami Heat and the conqueror of all conquerors. He probably has a like a condo in Suplex City. Jimmy Butler is the Brock Lesnar of the NBA right now. He's just laying waste to people. People yeah. are just going down left and right. Yeah. And like people are like making life changes after like after series with him. It, it's hard, man. He is the guy who gives the most effort I'd say in the entire sport he's an incredible player overall and clearly year after year the step up in the playoffs is like remarkable I I really got to talk to some of these people who were saying the bubble was complete trash and garbage and not representative of the season at all uh we're a few years removed and all the same squads are around. What what happened? I am so happy that I am a child of God so I can be above this right now. <laughs> Cause I could be petty and I'm not I'm not going to, not gonna do it. But the other thing that I want to kind of talk about, Nico, is this. 
he really is a self-made superstar. Jimmy Butler yeah. absolutely grinded to this level. And when we are, because we haven't focused on the draft and we're going to be doing more of, a, of it as we go along. And yeah. tomorrow is the draft lottery. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know what we have. I don't know if we're going to do it. We're trying. We're efforting. A lot of things in the air. I have a lot to do, yeah. unfortunately. But if it can be done, there's some sort of live reaction that I would love to get. Because everybody drink. Houston, oh, the yeah. Rockets, are, are looking at ping pong pick. balls at this point. They're going to get the first pick in the draft, you mean? And this dude, Nico, nipples will be hard. If they get oh. the number one pick, oh, guaranteed. Yeah. No, I I might go into a state of shock. I'm not sure what I would do exactly. All I know is Houston has a tendency of taking these international bigs first overall, be it Yao, Hakeem, and uh, they kind of work out in in the Rocket system. So if if you want a good outcome for Victor, there might be a team in texas for you all right well we don't want that so um and the rest of the nba humanity does not want that we saw what you guys did to poor jabari smith with uh those two guards uh, that nonsense that was going on that's fixed that's fixed we'll, we'll talk about that later we gotta get to this to these conference finals okay jimmy butler is brock lesnar he is awesome but he is now facing the Celtics, which I want to ask this question. I know there's a Philadelphia question coming, but where are we with the Celtics? And I say that I don't want to sound so podcasty, but mm-hmm. I'm really trying to under understand what Jalen Brown is because I think he thinks he's the number one. Yeah, I think he thinks he's a number one, and he clearly isn't a number one, mm-hmm. and he's about to get paid like a number one. Yeah, and I don't know if that's gonna be in Boston. Just uh, I know that's gonna sound blasphemous, but I'm looking at the new terrain of the NBA, and you know I've been on this kick ever since I've seen this CBA. Yeah, ever since I've seen it, that apron is decimating and you got to make sure you got the right guy mm-hmm. because if you do not have the right guy you are hamstrung so yeah absolutely it's just- i believe they're talented i think they're the most talented team left honestly but they mm-hmm. play sometimes some of the most uninspired basketball i have ever seen in my whole entire life and it starts at the top it starts with tatum and it starts with brown and you can go ahead and talk about it i'm not gonna get angry i'm just i just need to know what the hell i'm watching i'm not i'm not sure it starts there actually i think it might even start a little higher because these guys weren't playing this uninspired ball last year it's Something they that's plagued them throughout their career, but last season it wasn't there under Ime. 
And I kind of think Missoula is struggling to get that same level of commitment out of his guys. So I think that's where it starts. I I agree with what you say with Jalen. He's not a number one option by any extent. He can't really dribble the basketball at a high level. So that's always going to be an issue. But if they win the championship this year, it's going to be very hard to sell them on not just maxing both those guys between Tatum and Brown and trying to figure out the pieces around. I think Marcus might have a harder time staying in town, and I know he is Boston through and through, but like you said, that apron is incredibly damaging. I... I think it's going to be a little bit of a different situation worked out, but it's uh, something that they're working toward towards pushing forward, and I think it can be positive. Nico, I want you to look at me right now. I want you to really see me. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown put his career into the hands of Antonio Brown and Kanye West. He did. He did. That, that, mm, he's, mm, he's kind of his own man on that mm, side, though. I think he's doing, probably doing a lot of negotiations himself, and I kind of think that's the way it works over there. I kind of think that's what he's trying to do. And he's been someone who's fought so hard for the culture overall that he kind of gets. Oh, the culture. So what, so what was the culture when Antonio Brown was doing what he was doing over there, bro? He's not directly involved with Antonio Brown. He's just on the same label as Antonio. My name couldn't be nowhere near Antonio Brown. If that kind of stuff was going on, bro. Man, When all that was going on, everyone in the world was still signed to Drew Rosenhaus and it wasn't affecting them. And AB was a Drew Rosenhaus guy the whole way through, even through to New England. So, like, I I understand to a certain extent what you're saying, but, like, I, I kind of think Jalen is just, like, a different thinker, and that, that type of stuff with him doesn't bother me as much because he seems like a very mature young man. Okay, so this is what I'll say. Bill Simmons has his stuff, but I have mine. I'm putting Jalen Brown on what I call Brandon Ingram watch. That's what I'm doing. Okay. The number two, clearly, that wants to be the number one. How long does he stay the number two? When does the outburst happen? And the disgruntled superstar... Wants out. I, yeah, I don't think he's there. Because Ingram, the only reason Ingram hasn't wanted out yet is because Zion has eaten his way out of playing. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that sounds harsh, but you know what? Young man, get in shape. Just get. I, I feel like he was in really good shape this year and got hurt anyways. Like, he was thinner than he's been in a, in a long time. So. Well, you know what? At this point, you know, all these injuries are starting to pile up. And I'm not 
I think he could have an absolutely meteoric rise if he could stay healthy. But you got to, he has to look himself in the mirror and say, okay, dude, I got to get down to like 270, 265 uh, and stay there. And no, I'm not going to go out and take in the nightlife that is New Orleans as much as I was my first couple years here. Um, I, and I, I need to start taking it seriously. In that direction. I, I'd like to see it continue, but it really seemed like he was taking a step towards not only being in better shape physically, but also being a better teammate last year. They need him. They need him to be better. They need, they need him to be who he is, which is he, if, if everything is right, there's no reason that dude is not a top five player in this league. I'm sorry. I mean, I know people will be like, oh, my God, you said that? Well, no, it's really true. He has one hand, and nobody can stop it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he doesn't have this, this, and that. Okay, well, stop it, and then we'll we'll talk. Nobody has. Mm-hmm. So, Jalen Brown is on... Brandon Ingram watch. I'm trying to think of another other second, like a second superstar that might I, be a little I, I foggy. Think, I think B.I. is someone I look at more for that definitely than Jalen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I understand Jalen has that belief in himself, but I my read on it is at least that it's healthier than some of these other guys who wants to try take on the whole world by themselves. I think Jalen kind of sees that he can have value expanded outside of basketball and he can be the number one guy in that way while not necessarily always being the number one guy on the court. And I, I kind of think it seems like he likes to be in Boston. I'm not sure if it'll continue to be that way throughout his whole career, but as of now, that that would be my indication. I think the anchor was Ime Adoka. I think his fall from grace was uh, disastrous to this team and their toughness. I think Ime brought that team a sense of toughness that it strongly lacks now. And I think he was a guy that Jalen could really vibe with. And I don't think that Jalen has that guy on the team now. I'm not saying that his relationship with Jason Tatum is frosty, because it's not. I think they're two different dudes, though. But I think that Ime kind of was like that surrogate that he needed. And he flourished last year. Like, there were times that Jalen Brown was way better than Jason Tatum. In that finals. I mean, we saw these games, right? Am I am I missing something? No, I don't think you're missing anything. I I understand that as well. I just I guess my my opinion of Jalen is held in an esteem that I kind of think he can create that kind of culture amongst himself and there's there's always another guy they could bring in i think they've uh seemingly already brought 
uh, my guy, Steven Silas, <laughs> into their coaching staff. Uh, I'm wondering if another former Rockets assistant, uh, John Lucas, might follow him as well to Boston. Because I think he's the kind of guy who could relate on that level. He's He's been successful in a role like that before. And he's a guy, someone like Kevin Porter Jr. has credited for his growth as a man. I I know K- KPJ isn't perfect, but he's definitely grown in leaps and bounds. And I kind of think he's got that same kind of demeanor that might vibe with Jalen. I don't know. I, I, I do agree that there might be a need to bring in someone different to the coaching staff, though. A different style of voice. I agree. Um, Philadelphia. Nico, uh, we're, we're in a situation where Joel Embiid won a MVP this year. Now, I understand there was an injury. But I also saw him in games, and he looked really dominant. Yeah. I think I said on this podcast the last time we were on this feed is that the MVP had to put up an MVP performance in Game 7. And lead his team to a to a win. Yeah. That was not an MVP performance. It was clear early that I think we had set up vacation uh destinations to go to. Your guy Harden, who we'll dive deep into soon. Mm-hmm. Has already got a real estate investor in Houston. Oh, I you know had one of those the whole time. And I was talking about he called his favorite gentleman's club and asked them to stock up stock up on his favorite libation of choice. Oh, you know it, man. Like this was probably all going on in the first quarter. Yeah. You know. In no, a sock, no, no, he had a phone. No, he waited till the second half. He was playing good in the first half. Just, but you can see, man. Okay, I saw. It. I thought, to me, honestly, I'm not saying he didn't play good. It just the look on his face was like, mm-hmm. I would rather be anywhere but here. Yeah, I can't anywhere. remember. I can't remember the stat exactly. I seen it earlier on Twitter, but. Um, that game in the first half, I think James Harden had something like seven or it was seven or eight failed assists, which was situations where he passed to someone and then they took a shot without anyone within three feet of distance or something. And the shot was missed. And that's something I've seen from Harden in the past as well, too. When he kind of, like, gets off going and he's, like, in his playmaking Harden bag and people don't hit shots, he can get frustrated. So I, I kind of wonder if that was part of it, as well as Embiid seeming checked out for parts of this game. As The, the thing I kept mentioning as the X factor in the series was the P.J. Tucker corner three. And he was hitting them in the first half. And, like, the Sixers had a lead up until, like, the last few seconds there in the first half. 
and it just went away in the second. And the Sixers went away with it. They went like seven minutes without scoring. James cannot really self-create a shot at the same level he used to, especially in a game with Scott Foster. But let, it just wasn't going to happen for them, I don't think. Like, we kind of came to peace with this being the game the Celtics win to kill off this Sixers team. And it, it just, like, unrolled the way we'd all expect. And it's a, it's a little bit sad that no one was able to make that step up. But it's, uh, I guess, like I said, to be expected at this point. Philly fans, close your ears right now because I'm going to say something that you've probably heard like 35 times in probably, what, the last, what, five hours? Nine years of the process. Yeah. What have we gotten? Well, like, the process, I think, could have been a lot more successful if there wasn't the whole Colangelo calamity that happened in the middle of it and then it ended up like Maury's back in charge of it now and realistically the moves Maury has made for this team has been great he got James Harden for Ben Simmons and even if Harden leaves after this year considering what that Ben Simmons contract looks like right now that's an absolute home run he got uh E.J. Tucker on this team this year and Daniel House. And you got James Harden to take a pay cut in order to bring those dudes in. So on that side, I feel like Philadelphia has to feel maybe a a little in better hands than they have been in the past. But the maturation of the process going through so many hands is not something I'm excited about. And I understand. Stan that Silver stepped in, so maybe it's not all on the Sixers, but uh, it's a PR game at that point, and they fucking they messed up the PR game, and that's kind of been the the tale at every turn. It happened with Colangelo too, with the burner phones. They need a better PR department, and maybe the process is a more successful. Thing because realistically, what the Sixers did during the process and what the Rockets have done the last three years are kind of no different. And the Rockets got some hate at the end of last season, but for the most point, their rebuild has been treated with respect from the league as a whole. Not many people talk negatively until this year. And then (laughs) now that they've brought in Ime, it seems like that's instantly switched. And people are back to talking positively about the Rockets. So, like, Raphael was able to manage the PR element. Sam Hinkie wasn't. Brian Colangelo wasn't. And that front office strife, it really seems like might have cost the Sixers a championship at this point. Uh, There's so much to unpack here. Can I can I say this? If James Harden does a signing trade to help Maury out to get players, if I'm Houston, I move on. I don't do it. Well, you screwed me when you walked out the door. Now you're gonna screw me walking in the door? No. Well, no way. The the signing trade, I think, 
would have to be negotiated on both sides and would probably involve the Rockets getting some value back as well. I I was thinking about that the other day, though. I'm so mad about this, Nico. And this is and, and I'm so sorry to cut you off, but I am mm-hmm. so upset about this. And this is exactly why I did not understand the whole CBA situation. I just didn't understand it. Because I was sitting there going, these dudes are just doing whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I never had a problem with the money they were getting. Like, mm-hmm. you get all you can. But then it's like, oh, you gave me all the money. Oh, I'm, you know, I, you know, I don't feel the vibe anymore, so I'm out. Or we're not competitive anymore. Or, or you know, this dude is always getting hurt. I'm out. But to be in a situation where literally you're going to be able to walk back in the door and I'm giving up assets for you, that's where I draw the line. And I don't know if we lost Nico. So No, no, I'm here. I'm here. I I understand what you're saying and it being frustrating. I I kind of don't want to relitigate the harden of it all again. Uh, I I do get that, like, people leaving like that is definitely detrimental to the franchises, but I think in the Harden situation, specifically with with Houston, there were extenuating circumstances. By the way, by the way, here's the one thing, though. If you're a business partner of Harden's, after his career, you definitely want him to go into politics, right? Because this is bold, bro, for anyone what he's about to do. Yeah. Anyone. Well, I don't think realistically the thing I was going to say about the Philadelphia situation, it's not like they did a ton for Harden, realistically. They traded for him to get him out of Brooklyn, which other teams would have done as well. And then Harden was the one who took the pay cut that this last offseason. He gave them back like $9 million so they could go out and sign better players as well. I don't really think Harden leaving Maury and leaving Philadelphia is necessarily him spitting in their face or going and wronging some organization that's done great by him or anything for sure it's a situation that he played well in and the fans seem to really support him but I don't really think he is in any way like backstabbing the Sixers oh no that's not the part that I have a problem with that is not the point mm-hmm. he, he's a free agent he can go wherever he, if he wanted to go to Charlotte I don't you do whatever you want yeah that's not the question my thing is, I understand what you're saying. All oh, the team was changing. This was changing. You know, all this. Two factors and two factors only matter to me in that first Houston run. One, Steven Silas just got there. Black coach. You sat there, said, oh, yeah, want to play for this. 
want to make I want him to be successful and then I, but I'm he, just he behind the scenes campaigned against the hire and campaigned for Doc Rivers. He publicly said everything he was supposed to say, but all that stuff came out even at the time that Harden wasn't like a supporter of the Silas hire in the first place. But could you have could you have given Houston management a year to at least try it? Yeah, to try it. That's the complaint. That's the complaint. But like. Again, I, I feel like we've litigated this several no, times. I, I got it. I just the boldness of coming back though, that that tops the cake I, for me. I, just, I think I think just, the boldness of coming back is an admission that grass isn't always greener on the other side. All right. Let's came to that realization. Okay. Right, listen career. At the end of the day, Harden going to Houston for me is is a plus because I'm like, okay, there's a good chance he's going to lead them to the playoffs. But if my team, if we're playing him, I am, I am not scared of that. Just not. I hope the other guys who whoever's left, and I guess we'll get into that in a second because I want to talk about Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about. James Harden in a playoff series. I, no, I'm, I, I'm, I I'm done think, worrying about that. Yeah, I don't think the idea of bringing Houston into, um, or James Harden back to Houston is about winning playoff series in the immediate future. I think it's a admission that this is the best player you can get on the market, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, he yeah. has a unique interest in the city of Houston because of his time spent in Houston. And Gentlemen's clubs. Off, yeah, coming off three years of uh, awful basketball, essentially, in Houston. It, it's not like a player at James Harden's level, besides James Harden, would have interest in coming to reboot this organization. So having him walk back in the building, I think there's a level of almost like professionality, not in the fact that James Harden is a professional person, but he makes you a professional basketball team, and we haven't been that for a while. And I I really think him coming here is him understanding that winning a title as one of the best players might not be something that's going to happen in James Harden's career. And it would be him like basically agreeing to take a step back and help the young kids improve. I remember early, early in his Philadelphia tenure, there was a question by some Rockets reporter to James Harden about Jalen Green. And he talk very positively about his game and everything. And at the end, he said, I'd be really excited to play with him one day. And Houston fans read way too much into it at the time. But now it seems to be coming to reality. And the way he was talking about it seemed like he understood that he could help other players get better. And that was something that was his mission to do. And you've seen it this year with Tyrese Maxey, too. So 
I I basically am hoping we get that James Harden in the building. That's my guy. That's one of my favorite players of all time, and I I really think he can help this squad. So I'm very excited that we're getting him back. I know we got into this way earlier than we meant to, but it's hard not to. Especially for you. So, uh, <laughs> all right. If you're Joel Embiid, what are you asking of the Sixers? Like at this point, you can't go back, right? You can't go backwards. I, I. Don't but you're know. gonna have to. But my question is. What can he realistically ask for, which we know that usually superstars aren't realistic? Yeah. So this is the team that I am extremely interested in this year because this is the team that makes that could make the panic move. Uh-huh. Now, Daryl Murray usually is on the opposite side of that. Yeah. So I'm really interested into what goes on this offseason. And what do, what do you think, honestly, James Harden is going to fetch back from Houston? If, if there ends up being a sign-and-trade negotiated, I think there would obviously need to be more coming to Houston with James Harden as well because otherwise it doesn't make any sense for them to do a sign in trade when they have all the cap money they can just go and sign him. So I think they're probably going to have to include some kind of draft picks even if they end up being second rounders protected whatever it is. Uh the first guy who comes to mind for me is the, the guy I've talked about moving on from several times in KBJ. I think he, as a spot-up option, could hypothetically work well in a place like Philadelphia. I'm just not sure, first of all, that he'd he'd buy into the role. And second of all, I'm not necessarily sure that's the direction they're looking to move forward. If KPJ comes back, if KPJ comes back in that deal, Doc Rivers is definitely gone. I mean, I think he's gone anyway, but. And it sucks because this is the best playoff series he's coached in several years. They did not lose because of Doc Rivers. 17 and 34. Yeah. Yeah, man. And the game seven records is like three and 10. Like it. So. No way. And that wasn't Maury's guy. He came in and Doc was there. Uh, right? More, no, Maury and Doc are very, very close. Maury tried to bring Doc to Houston multiple times. They were both together in Boston, and they're, like, pretty close friends. So Doc was there first, but it, I think Doc and Maury are maybe not tied at the hip, but they are definitely very close. He is Do you think Maury stays through this? I think so, because I don't think he's really made a mistake. Okay. I don't really think you can say he's lost any of the moves he's done. No. Okay. So now, again, I ask the question. What do you think Joel Embiid can ask for? A trade. 
that's kind of the point I'm at. I, I'm not really sure what they can do next and how they're going to put another star next to him. Um, another reason I think KPJ would be interesting for them is because his contract is mostly non-guaranteed. So there'd be a way because you'd have the, um, what's it called? Uh, trade exception from James Harden. And then you'd also have separately the KPJ uh, contract value that can be cut out of very easily. I think that might be something you can uh, kind of shop around to see if there's any overpaid players who might want a new house. But I don't really think that's something that's going to put a title around Joel. And I think he might realize that sooner rather than later. Okay. Now I gotta look at this from the front office side. We didn't get there, and by the way we lost game seven in the second round, we're not close. Now you're right. The first thing you should do is trade and beat. Does the fan base of Philadelphia Ooh, and I, the front and the front office stomach a rebuild. To be clear, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure that Embiid will be traded at all. I just think if I'm him, I ask for a trade. But I no, I understand that. I just I'm, I'm just fan. I know Daryl Morey, and I know that Daryl Morey will just refuse. Straight up, it, it's going to take a long time before he... we seen what happened with Ben Simmons. He sent him the fuck home. It's going to be hard for Joel to get his way out of Philadelphia, even if he wants his way out of Philadelphia. And I don't think he's going to sit at home like Ben or anything like that, to be clear. But I think he very well could end up in a situation where him and Maury are standing at opposite sides of the table with their guns drawn. Now, there's a team not too far away from there that has a bunch of picks, got a little feel good this year. Their fans were happy. Stars were out. Big name people. Is Joel Embiid eyeing Gotham. I I don't know where he'd necessarily want to go. I think he's a big city style of player, but again, with Maury, I'm not sure he'd get to make that kind of decision. I kind of feel Maury's the guy who will trade him for the best offer. He'd be damned if he's happy or not. Okay, I'm just... My whole thing is that we got to at least flush it out as a possibility. I don't think it will happen. Um, yeah. A couple people who really are in the know kind of think there'll be a retool and go forward. But I do believe that disgruntled superstar watch, a lot of eyes in Philadelphia as well as Milwaukee. And it's funny, we are now talking about the foreign players and what their level of 
happiness is in their current situations, which is weird because we just had a podcast talking about we do not see foreign players just, I want out. But even in that podcast, we acknowledge that Embiid is a little different than the other foreign guys. He's got way more of an Americanized attitude. <laughs> and it, that's been true from like the second he walked into the league. So, yeah, my man cares about Twitter. Yeah, he's been the king of Twitter <laughs> since his first moments. Like, he was a Twitter star his first two years in his career when he wasn't playing a single game. Right. This is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's the other pieces. Um, I mean, Maxi played well, so you know that's solid. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Tobias Harris. He, he had good games, bad games. You just can't count on Tobias to be the like your second or third best player. He needs to be. Four or lower, and just a guy in your rotation who you can rely on to get hot once in every four games or something. Is there is there a move out there, whether it would be considered panic or not, is there a move out there that could be like, all right, no, no, this team, okay, they was, you know, you could talk yourself into they were close. Um, you know, couple, you know, if Joel is completely healthy, what does it look like? Is there a piece out there that you think kind of changes that team? And even with a hardened loss, they could kind of be in a similar situation. And just, you, we talked about it, I believe on the last pot, anything can happen. Your, your injury to the number one C's best guy away from doing something special, right? Because all these teams are fairly close together. Mm -hmm. There's not a dominant team in the league. Yeah. I I think they need to get lucky. I think they kind of need a Jalen Brunson style situation, but even like luckier than that, because we saw what Jalen Brunson was in the playoffs the year before he ended up going to the Knicks. I think, like, if I'm them, I might be looking into guys like Cam Johnson, though he'd probably be too expensive. Kobe White out of Chicago, maybe. They could use another ball handler, play creator. Hmm. One of those style of dudes, I think. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure how you could figure someone else out. Maybe uh, if... The Pelicans end up like fully retooling and making uh, a move for a a real starting point guard. CJ McCollum might be a guy who makes some sense in Philadelphia, but like he, none of these guys are going to get them past the second round of the playoffs unless they take some sort of momentous leap. I'm, I just, I don't know. I think they're kind of stuck. Oh, tough days in Philly. We're going to have to watch that. Um, yeah, I, I always sound like blow it up guy. I almost wonder what it would look like if we just kind of said, all right, I know, I know we don't want to do this. 
and I know this is completely unrealistic, so nobody at me. But let's see what we can get for Joel. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna get it's gonna fetch you a nice bounty of items. Either way. And let's yep. see what we can do with Maxi and, and and toys we get back for Joel and Bead. And then we can reassess the market in a year. And maybe some of what we got back flushes out and becomes something. And now we have a a pretty good structure to what the next iteration of the Philadelphia 76 Sixers look like in a championship uh aspiration mode. Thoughts. Yeah, like it's possible, but to a certain extent you're just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. You you could maybe put something together, but I think the more likely scenario is you wind up looking like the Wizards. Though I I would say Mori is more willing to take make extreme moves like you're talking about, uh, and maybe make the the trade off Embiid, but he he runs his whole business to acquire superstars. He thinks superstars are the only thing that matters, and it just makes him far too hesitant to trade off them ever. I get it, and I understand that. And like I did say, it was unrealistic. Yeah, 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 but I would love to see Messiah Jerry make a phone call to Philadelphia. Oh, I want. Of course, I, he will. I, if he is still in Toronto, by the way. Well, yeah. <laughs> if he's in Toronto, because I think they actually have some pieces that would kind of be. Get you almost to the same area you were, but you would feel a whole heck of a lot better about yourself. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about all that. I think because they've already moved off some picks in the various deals they pulled off, it it'd be a little harder to kind of put them in the position to just reset like that, like with be it OG and Scotty or whatever it is. It's uh, it's just a harder look. I mean, I I like the worst Brooklyn Nets at that point. All depends. All depends on what you can get and what you can turn people into. Because, I mean, it doesn't happen often. This is where I'll give Kalinka credit. He was in a real bad situation. Real bad. And there was a lot of people who thought he had no way out. And then the trade deadline happens. Yeah. And say what you want about the Lakers or whatever. They have people who haven't been playing that are contributing to winning basketball and they look super deep. 
I understand that it doesn't happen very often. I'm not saying that they should blow it up. I believe that Joel B will be a Philadelphia 76er next year. I believe that he'll put up like 30 points a game, 13 rebounds, all of it. But I like like you, I believe that this is it. What you saw right now, unless something absolutely amazing happens, this is it. Yeah. This is the second round. Boom. Maxi would need to like step up to that 25 point a game. But then somebody would have to take the maxi slot. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he yeah. would move to the Harden slot. I can see that. But who takes the maxi slot? Yeah. It's the question. They'd, they'd need to find someone else to do that. And well, that, that I think is a little more doable, but it's still, it's still rough. You imagine someone else giving up, giving maxi production what he gave them throughout the entire year and also including winning playoff basketball type of play that he gave them. It'd be, it'd be very difficult for sure. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, Yeah, it'd be great for him to do what he does, but Oh, now somebody needs to do his role and do it. Like he did it. And by the way, when he was doing it, they were still getting kicked out of the second round. It's so true. it's true, man. And uh, they like, I don't want to say in that scenario, Maxi is better than Harden, but it would be different in some ways. I, uh, our guy Momo suggested that if Harden leaves, they might be the destination for CP3 to go after being bought out. And I could see something like that happening. But then again, you're like, you're kind of in the same situation you're at this year. And that's if Maxi takes the lead. So, yeah. CP3 needs to be like a backup point guard somewhere. Like, to a, to a team that is like a five or six seed, Maybe they don't know how to win yet. Bring him back to OKC. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Or or uh, transition. Maybe bring him back to the Clippers if they don't uh, blow everything up. <laughs> oh, the Clippers. We got to talk about the Western Conference somehow. Um that's a that's a building influx, Nico. Yeah, there are there's rhetoric coming out out of that building that is really really hard to hear. Uh, things of wasting money. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Why are other billionaire owners? trying to poach our coach. Yeah. Um, Frustrating stuff for sure. And unfortunately, they have a guy who, to me, and I'll say it just like this. This is where I'm going to use the pop culture reference. Kawhi Leonard reminds me a lot of Prince. 
brilliant, soft-spoken, mysterious, <laughs> goes to the beat of his own drum. But when he gets out there and performs, oh, you know it's going to be spectacular. But, but temperamental. But temperamental. Very true. But Kawhi Leonard is the NBA version of Prince. What's your thoughts on that? I I get it. I get it. The, the do you want to use like a, a a newer reference for the kids? No, like, is there no, a no? Is, I love Prince. Is it Kanye? It's not Kanye. Uh, it's not Kanye. No, it's not Kanye. No, no, no. Don't no disrespect to Kawhi. The difference I would say is Prince was like one of the most naturally talented musicians of all time. And Kawhi like grinded his ass off almost in a Jimmy way. It's not quite the same, but it's kind of similar to become the player he is today. Uh, So I think that's a little, a little different, but I do get the rest of what you're saying with the mysterious hiding behind the, the uncle Dennis sneaking sneaking up and sneaking around doing things in his own unique way and uh, especially like his injury coverage you never know what's actually wrong with Kawhi until (laughs) weeks after so yeah he's he's definitely different in that way how do you think that exit interview went with Kawhi Leonard uh did he show up that's the first question. If he did, then uh, that's probably. a good question to ask because he did not. Yeah. Okay. That I believe it. Mm-hmm. He did not. <laughs> yeah. Um. Change. Change is hard to do. But I believe that, and change for change's sake, it's 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 not good to do. Yeah. But I think the the mojo is so bad that something is going to change there. Yeah, and they're they're weirdly deep too. They're not like the Lakers had depth of like different usable guys in the playoffs. They've got like a lot of strange depth of just different pieces they could throw out there, but they didn't like to. And guys like uh, Norman Powell, who like they're, they're good, but are they playoff players that I don't know? We, we are going to need to see a different look Clippers team. Yeah. And um, just God bless that, that entire building right now. I just think that somebody just needs to kind of step in and just go, you know what? Let's 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 back back off the the tough talk because you don't want to end up in NBA wasteland because you're pretty much there anyway. Because nobody really cares about the Clippers in Los Angeles. I know Clipper fans will come out the woodworks and tell, but y'all know y'all are outnumbered by like a ton. So, let's not get this twisted. 
Yeah, I think actually Clippers are one of those weird teams who might have a bigger presence out of market because of how much like support there is between the stars they've had and like how many people fell in love with those Lob City teams. But within LA, everyone's just have Lakers through and through, so it's yeah. kind of hard for them to to claim stake any claim to that market. And speaking of hard decisions, I hope you like that segue, Nico. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are now eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, this is the first time that Draymond, Steph, and Clay as a trio have been eliminated from a playoff without winning the championship. Um, the finals. Yeah. What? Conference first loss. Yeah. What a what? What a way to go out. Like, it was all on display, sir. LeBron was as dominant as he needed to be. He knew the weaknesses. He saw the cracks in the dam. And he exploited every last one of them. Down to the point where initially he takes the ball as soon as the game starts and puts Wiggins on the post and says, we're going to check your ribs right now. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're going to check those. Yeah, man. He what is... What's to play, for sure. But the story, I believe, and we can get into the Lakers all we want, going to have a lot of time to talk about them because they're still playing. Yes, sir. Go State Warriors. Uh, where do you even want to start? I mean... We're we're an hour in. It seems like we could talk to about them for like 40, 50 minutes, but just quick overview in what do you think? Going into this situation, I I heard the buzz, the last dance buzz that everyone was spewing. And I I didn't buy into it very much. Um, I bought into yours a little more on the Bob Meyer side, but people were talking about the the Warriors completely retooling, and I didn't buy into it. And based on reports as of right now, it seems like the top three guys that we talked about there, Clay, Steph, and Draymond, at least as of today, the plan is for them to stay in place. But, man, I could see a complete rip-up of this situation. And if Myers steps away, I I wonder if the next guy who comes in will view it the same way or if there's a chance with his sometimes struggling health, we could see a guy in Steve Kerr make a return to the GM seat. And maybe he pulls a Brad Stevens and brings in uh, an assistant to take over the head coaching job. That's just something I keep my eye on for right now because I know he'd be someone they trust. And I think he'd keep the those three guys in place as well. But if they bring in some new voice to the locker room, it, things could change quite quickly. <clears throat> okay. Um then we have to have a hard, hard conversation then. Clay can't guard people 
not anywhere near. And here's the thing. I understand it. He's just not the same player. He can't be. Not after an Achilles and an ACL. Yeah. But now that changes his position. And if that changes his position and you're bulking up, is that position the Draymond position that now we got a now we have a glut at that position? Mm-hmm. And your your superpower is your shooting. Draymond has like three, four things that is his superpower. Yeah. I understand the loyalty play. I got that. And I'm I I just I sound I am the K I'm the KOC of this podcast. Cause I sound like I want to blow it up. But I just look at problem areas on that team. Clay is one of them. Jordan Poole is another one of them. Mm-hmm. You need to get bigger now and stop wasting Steph years. Like, yeah. I don't care about your youth movement. You have Steph. And you need to do everything to maximize what this dude is doing. So, I don't care what kind of offense you want to run. You want to run the beautiful game and he's running around and all that. That's great. He can be just as dominant doing pick and roll. (laughs) Just as dominant doing that. Yeah. But we need other pieces. Um, Now, I guess a point of reference is this. Do you use Wiggins to influx or infuse your your talent quota? Yeah, that's that's the first guy I think I'd be looking at, and they still have draft picks in their back pocket to make the move with. I I think Kaminga might be a guy you keep in town, especially. Did you hear his interview after the series loss? Mm, yeah. Move on on it and everything. Well, the, guy he, said the first thing he thinks he needs to get better at is rebounding. He thinks he needs to focus on it a whole lot. And his goal as a player is to eventually become a starter like Kavon Looney. It's, well, can I can I give you a little a little backstory. Sure. I don't know if it was present on like the telecast. I do know some people who were in the building. There are two coaches that were literally trying to calm him down on the bench during that game six. Cause he was mad at Kerr cussing, yelling at Kerr about let's, well, what's going on? We're getting our asses kicked, basically. And I'm not getting any burn whatsoever. Zero. He wasn't a happy camper. Two coaches. Yeah, well, he, it seemed like, I, I obviously didn't hear all that, but it seemed like based on the interview he gave and whether or not that was 
coached into him. It seemed like he had the right idea about the team and about who he is as a player and what he needs to do to get better. Not that I think rebounding should necessarily be his main focus, but the fact that he just wants to try and develop into a player like Kavon Looney rather than trying to develop into Steph, I think is a very good sign, especially coming after a guy like James Wiseman, who that was the biggest complaint about him. He always thought he could do more than he could. Nico, they didn't even try his athleticism in this in this series, really. No, no, not really. I mean, that seems damning to me. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not saying that you give up on the asset. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there has to be a real plan because also yeah, we're entering year three. We cannot be we can't be dicking around anymore. Like we got to get this right now, and we gotta we gotta be able to pinpoint if this is a guy for us that can contribute rotation minutes in playoff series. We gotta know, like mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, I agree. I think they were trying to figure that out. They didn't do the best job of it. And uh, where I was going with all this was, I think. A Wiggins trade might open that lane up for Kaminga a little bit more. Try and get him on the floor more often than he has been to this point in his career. And really, like, give him an opportunity he maybe hasn't seen. I know Wiggins has been really good in Golden State, and he's a hard guy to trade. There's an argument to be made that he might be the best 3 and D player in basketball right now. So that that's a hard guy to move on from. And here's but, the other thing. If you trade Wiggins, you may as well go ahead and say goodbye to Clay Thompson too. Because he's your best defender. I mean, listen, perimeter defender, Wiggins is your guy. I know Draymond does all the other stuff and Kevon, Kevon Looney does stuff. Wiggins is your best perimeter defender. Yeah. So as soon as you trade him, that triggers Clay. Because unless anything less anything less than Wiggins, you, Clay is even more of a just a punching bag because when we put him in pick and roll action. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think hopefully Kaminga can somewhat develop into that and that would be your goal, but it's it definitely puts you in a weirder situation. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Cool, real quick, um, what's your thoughts on where he is developmentally, and then would another team go, okay, he clearly needs to be the lead guard and start. And uh, I could take I can take this 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 investment, or is this like don't think so. the flaws are so bad because the flaws are terrible? I don't think so. I think if I'm Golden State and you have Pool on that contract, I'm taking another year with him to figure it out because his value is very low right now, and there was clearly a lot mental that went into last season as well that. It didn't seem like he got over, and I would like to hope that he can 
move past that and return to somewhat of the form he had in past years. Can I offer a suggestion that if we're trying to keep the team together, but we kind of need to move around some pieces, can I make one suggestion? Yeah, sure. Take Clay out of the starting lineup. Make him the sixth man. You got Poole. You got Steph. Your spacing is good. You keep Wiggins. There's your wing defender. I mean, you do have people who are going to pick on Steph and Poole, but you just hope that the offense takes care of itself. Um, I guess you could keep the rest of the starting line the way it is, Trayvon and Looney. You got to get a big somewhere. You got to get a big. You got to make either Draymond or Looney like. You got to. There's what? Between them, there's 96 minutes of time, right? Yes. You got to take. You got to take about. 34 minutes of time and, and there has to be a a rim protecting big somewhere. Am I am I wrong on that? No, no I I think they could use something like that more in their rotation for sure. <laughs> a more typical rim protector. Those guys can be easier to find, but they can also be easier to get wrong. So I'd I'd hope they can find like their new JaVale McGee type on this team and just get someone else they can roll out there. They they do need uh, quite a few more things, right? The mm-hmm. thing I I was going to mention this earlier as well, uh Steve Kerr after the series said this was wasn't a championship team and he thinks they took it about as far as they could get it. And they they need a few more of those pieces to put together another championship squad, I think. All the podcasts are going to do the referendum on the kids and going light years ahead and and talking about how we're going to, you know, have this championship dynasty and then we're going to extend it with, these, with the kids and blah, blah, blah. A lot of people are going to talk about it. A lot of people are going to talk about the, the asset in the sense wasting or incorrect draft picks and Wiseman and what have you. I definitely understand all that. We can definitely get into it and where they went wrong. It's pretty obvious where they went wrong. So uh, we're not going to kill on that. My thing is, and we'll leave it with this and then kind of tell everybody how the the rest of the week is going to go. Kerr, Myers, Draymond, Clay, Wiggins. Hold on. So how many is that? So Myers, Kerr, Draymond, Clay. That's four or five. Uh, five people. What's the percentage that comes back, Nico? Uh in their in their in their positions. So I'll yeah. I'll, I'll do it that way for okay. you. Okay. Okay. Well, I could see, I'll, I'll say like 60% because I could see something else happening. But I, I, Kerr, 
Steph Dray or Kerr Clay Draymond, I think, are going to be harder to shuffle out. So I I'd expect those three to stay in their current positions. Though I could see potentially going another way. I'm going to say something to you right now. I don't know if it's going to excite you or not. Look for Draymond to capitalize on his podcast that allows him to maybe enter a three-year deal with another team. I'm not saying it will happen, but I do believe that Draymond is thinking of the future. And I think he knows he needs help. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he needs help. Yeah, and I think there will be teams out there. And and what would he look like next to a shot-blocking big? I don't know. Different, but it, it, like, that shot-blocking big better be able to shoot on some level because then you're just mucked up in a different way. Oh, no, no, I I definitely understand that. I'm not saying, yeah, you got to, it got to be able to shoot 100%. But just food for thought. Just food for thought. I mean, I could. I, there's a world where I see literally 40% of that coming back. I'm not saying it will will or not. I'm it just saying happen. it could happen. Um, it all depends on really how, what, I think the first domino that needs to fall is Bob Myers, right? Yeah, that's that seems to be the buzz. And I am I don't know if he's returning. I I I know I I, I don't think he's going to return. I really don't. And I and the only reason I say that is they had a whole year to figure this out and they didn't. And I just think at some point, Bob Myers is going to look at it and go, literally, you're going to allow me to go take meetings? <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a big risk to allow him to walk out that building. Yeah, so. absolutely. So. All right, I guess with that, we are done. Is there anything else that we need to hit? We we got Wendy, draft lottery stuff. We don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll try to figure that out. Um, yeah, we'll try to figure that out. We got football coming on uh, Wednesday, and then we'll have the first of the to-be-named LifePod coming on Friday. Yeah, to-be-named later. Yes, absolutely. Um. We're going to tease something, and we're not going to promise it, but we're going to tease something. We're working on some really exciting stuff in the in the visual medium coming soon, I believe. So look out for that. We'll give you more information as it comes. And Nico, tell them the socials where they can get at us and and talk about this pod and talk about some of the mistakes we made or some of the things they agree with or why in the hell did you not talk about Detroit basketball? 
uh, or yeah, Raptors basketball. basketball, or uh, even I would dare say Memphis Grizzlies basketball. There's, uh, a, there's a pod there. There's a pod there. In the future, <laughs> um, you can find Vince online at uh, Front Runner PC. You can find me at Nico FRPC, mostly on Twitter. I think that's also both our Instagrams. Uh, the pod should be coming to YouTube pretty soon, so stay on the lookout for that, as well as we'll probably get get some clips going pretty soon here as well. So yes, get sir. Ready for uh, some FRPC expansion. All right. And with that being said, for the Canadian bomber, for the Canadian shaman, for the Canadian Bill Simmons, and for this podcast, the Canadian Raphael Stone. That is Nico Miatello. I am Vince Carter. And to my mother, Loretta Curran. Rest in peace, baby girl. We love you. Rest in peace. This pod is dedicated to her. And uh, we'll have more on her later. But uh, mm-hmm. thank you guys for hanging in there with us. Man, we love you guys. And uh We'll be back on this feed on Wednesday. We are out.